Thanks for joining for uh, this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest uh, this week is Fabian Wosar, and I'm butchering that, but I will hand it over to you and let you uh, give us a little bit about yourself and uh, and uh, what we're going to talk about. Yeah, hello. Um, as you already said, my name is Fabian Wosar, which sounds slightly different, but that's <laughs> that's okay. Like most people don't really know how to pronounce my name. Um, I'm the CTO at like the New Zealand antivirus company MCSoft. Um, yeah, I think most most people probably don't really know our product that well. They most likely came to hear about us because of our work about, uh, when it comes to like the large field of ransomware. Um, as we are one of, if not the biggest contributor when it comes to um, the fight of, uh, yeah, the fight against ransomware and releasing and well breaking ransomware and releasing 3D cryptos in particular. Okay, um, which is interesting because you know, so I I am uh, familiar with uh, MCSoft. I mean, I've not. I've not used it, but I'm, you know, because I, uh, when I was, uh, you know, many, 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 many moons ago when I was actually working in the trenches uh, as a security consultant and engineer, um, you know, one of my, one of my initial like cybersecurity roles was uh, taking part in a team where we, you know, we specifically did uh, antivirus and, and our, and our team was focused on, uh, Semantic McAfee, Trend Micro, CA, but because I was in that field and because I, you know, write primarily about security, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with the vendors that are out there, and I, you know, I'm also I'm getting ready to go to my, I don't know, twelfth, thirteenth RSA. Um, you know, so so I, you know, I I am familiar, um, but but like I said, I hadn't I hadn't used the product, and and I. Coming into this, you know, when we were when we were talking about scheduling this this podcast, um, and and doing a little bit of you know background research and stuff, you know, one of one of my thoughts was just on the the general state of antivirus and, and you know and, and just as a, as a as a tool now and and you just you just mentioned that you know it's not just that you know you you guys are also on on the forefront of developing. Uh, solutions and, and decryptors for ransomware. That's a separate thing to me. But the, yeah. the the basic concept of I have a computer. You know, my mother-in-law has a computer. My brother has a computer, and and, and installing antivirus um, on those on those computers. I, I I almost that's not even really on my radar anymore. Um, and, and I mean, not not to take away from anything you guys are doing, but like I just I install Windows and Windows has Windows Defender, and I just that's good enough, and I don't I don't I don't even bother. Yeah, I mean, um, for a lot of home users, that certainly is the truth. Um, but especially when it comes to free antiviruses, um, the big differentiator is like the the type and like the level of support that you can expect i mean mm -hmm. try to get microsoft to fix an, an issue or like a false positive or like a false detection in like windows defender as like a home user um you pretty much just run against like um a wall pretty much um right you and can't get them to, to 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 fix anything pretty much and or, it's understandable. Or even ask when something doesn't work yeah of course it is so um, at least in my opinion, like um, the big benefit of like 
paid AV software nowadays, and especially um, paid AV software when it comes from very consumer-oriented companies like ours is that you actually have like someone to talk to when you run into any issues, mm-hmm. um, that you actually have someone who helps you clean clean your system if you get infected by malware, um, things like that. So that's like a huge benefit. And that's honestly, that's probably the biggest reason why people choose us over um, more more prominent or like or like bigger brands or, or even over like just using a free antivirus to begin with. Right. Now, the other aspect, especially when it comes to free antiviruses is, is that nothing, well, things rarely are free. I mean, usually when you get something for free and it has like intrinsic value, then you are actually the product. And I mm-hmm. mean, just look at like the recent developments and like recent re- re- uh, revelations when it comes to uh, Vast, right? Who pretty much siphoned, pretty much, uh, yeah, who pretty much siphoned um, your entire surf history and, and stuff like that from your system in order to turn it into actionable uh, data that can be used by marketing uh, companies and like advertisement companies in order to um, pretty much figure out who you are, um, what your preferences are, and cater advertisement and uh, optimize the website. Uh, the website specifically for you. So if you don't pay for your antivirus, in a, in a lot of cases, you are actually the product. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, as so I was going to say, like, you know, it, 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 I think it's reasonable for a company that's providing a, a completely free service to have uh, poor <laughs> or non-existent customer service. Because it's kind of like you get what you pay for. You know, you, yeah. you can't, you can't yeah. expect a company to uh pay for support analysts uh to sit there and monitor a product you know and 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 so, and troubleshoot a product that you didn't give them any money for in the first place so that 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 makes sense but you're right i mean companies you know you get what you pay for and one of the things you know again going back to when i was working in the trenches and this has definitely changed over the last decade for sure but um at the time when i was dealing with uh you know, companies and, you know, mostly like Fortune 500 companies, um, there was a, a, a reluctance to use open source kind of for the same reason where it was like, okay, well, yeah, that open source tool is great and it does what we need it to do. But when it breaks, who do we call? Like I need, I yeah. need someone, I need someone that I can pick up the phone and I can call them and say, Hey, your thing is not working. Fix it. Um, and, and that was, that was one of the kind of the roadblocks and that's why you had, you know, I think that that was sort of why initially things like Red Hat were popular because it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can get a hundred different variations of Linux and they're all, you know, and they're all free, go, you know, go, you know, knock yourself out. But at least, you know, when you, when you would buy Red Hat, you know, Red Hat Enterprise or whatever, you were buying that support. You were, you were buying the company to back it up. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it, it kind of sprung like an entire business model, really, right? I mean, a lot of products nowadays are developed completely open source, um, and you can actually use it for free. And um, 
it works pretty well and it in many cases is like completely identical to like the paid version but the paid version comes with like a lot of convenience especially for companies you don't have to bother like updating it yourself or maintaining it yourself if something breaks then you can contact them to fix it instead of having to figure out what broke exactly yourself and stuff like that right so it's a completely valid business model um personally though especially when it comes to um selling user data um i'm not sure if like a lot of people are actually aware of it that it, it that it is even happening right? right because it's usually buried within like like on on the last page of like the the eula the terms of service and like, let let's be honest nobody reads that <laughs> Um, at least, at least I don't. I don't know anyone who ever read like a EULA or like a terms of service before like installing free software. I, so I'm not aware of. I'm not aware of anyone who's ever read a, a full end user license agreement who doesn't work for uh, EFF. Yeah, and I mean, um, I don't blame them. I mean, those are really dry legal texts usually, and. At least in my opinion, they are being written in this uh, really dry way. Uh, well, first of all, for the company to kind of cover their butt, right? Because when it comes to uh, EULAs and terms of services and stuff, lawyers really, really like to um, make sure that their wording is like 100% specific um, and can't be interpreted in any other way. And um, But yeah, I mean... Um, in my opinion, at least, like a lot of privacy agreements and, and like terms of services, EULAs and stuff are purpose purposefully written in like a very hard to understand way. So mm -hmm. to, to actively discourage users um, from actually reading them. It's actually one of the reasons why um, in, in our particular case, when you when you check out like our privacy, um, um, our, our privacy policy, we have like two versions of it. Like one that is written in plain English, that is easy to understand, that tells you exactly what is going on. Like the other one has like all the legalese that like our lawyers made us made us write in there and in, in, in order to uh, make sure that like our privacy agreement can actually um, um, hold up in, in, in the court of law. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be, yeah, and I, I, again, I, I understand why you, you, on some level, need the legalese uh, if and when it comes down to actually going into a court of law. But it would be nice if we made a requirement that said, for the EULA that you're sharing like with the end user, there's a max of like one page. Like <laughs> you, you have to boil it down. Like, what are the essential things I'm agreeing to by clicking this box? And I mean, let's be honest, especially when it comes to things like like privacy and data sharing, right? I mean, all you, all, all the re all the user actually needs to know is like, yeah, what kind of data do you record and who are you sharing it with? That that easily fits on like one screen. And I mean, and if it doesn't fit on one screen, then you probably should consider like, yeah, your 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 kind of data data right. collection policies and i mean well, we do we do live in like this new kind of mindset that data is like the new oil right and everyone tries to hoard more and more data because they can uh use machine learning and data mining techniques in order to pull as much information out out of um all this telemetry as possible um but it, but but it comes with like a lot of downsides as well because 
um, at least we opera uh, always operate under um, the assumption that we aren't perfect. That means our system at one point will will get breached eventually, right? right. Um, and uh, the best way to make sure nobody can steal our user data, uh, our, our, our user data, is not to have that much data about our users to begin with. So um, we actually don't don't really record a lot of data. And a lot of telemetry when um, users um, use our products, and it's by the way also one of the reasons why people like to use our products because they don't want their antivirus vendor to know exactly all the applications they have installed, all the applications they run, all the URLs they visit, and and, and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that uh, you know, I think you know so one one difference between you know, the the open source model uh, that we were talking about and the sort of free free software model is it is that that sort of um, if it's free you're the you are the product kind of thing like because with open source I feel like it's it's literally you know it's just a collective people are just writing it and it's just there like there's you know i'm not aware of situations really where where the open source project is like mining and selling data on the back end and, you know that's that's you know but but when you're dealing with a a company whether it's you know avast or google or whatever like if if you're if you're getting a free service it's because the company is figuring out some other way to monetize that yeah of course i mean companies i mean The entire purpose of companies is essentially to generate revenue and make money, right? right. So they need to make money somehow. And on these, uh, well, and unless it's just like a hobby developer, for example, or like um, even even like an open source developer or someone who just um, develops software, not as a way to earn a living, but just as a hobby, for example. Um, or who is being sponsored or financed through like other ways, like Red Hat, for example. I mean, a, a lot of Linux open source developers are actually employed by companies like Red Hat or, or Google or even Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. So um, un unless it's like sponsored in, in, in other ways, um, you can expect that they have a way to kind of turn you using the software into some, some form of monetization. Uh, it's interesting. Like so, earlier you 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 mentioned about how you know data data is the oil today, and and I, and I agree. And you know, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, in 1999, 2000, uh, I was a uh, network admin slash one man IT department for a dot com uh, out of Detroit, and. The CEO at the time, like you know, and, and this is you know, so that, that we're going back to where you know we didn't have virtual machines and cloud servers and you know virtually unlimited data and like you know that the the, the storage we were using was significantly more expensive per you know megabyte, gigabyte, whatever. Um, and we had a whole conversation about well, we've got all this data, you know, like all, all these people visit our website, they fill out this form, we we've gathered all of this information. Um, but we don't need it now, what should we do with it? And he was like, no, 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 never get rid of data. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we keep all the data. Because he's like, even if I don't know what I want to use it for now, a year from now, I might think of how to use it. And I'm still going to want, you know, we're, we're going to want that. He's like, that's that's gold. 
and uh, you know, and 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 now now pretty much every company thinks that way. But that was very uh, uh, cutting edge thinking in two thousand. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it it absolutely was. And it's and it's it, to be to be completely honest with you, it it's kind of frightening in a way, right? I mean, just imagine. There, there, there are people living now who completely grew up on the internet, who always use the internet, and like pretty much all their activity is like stored in some log somewhere. And um, while it is often the case that if you look at like one data set um, uh, separately, you can't really kind of build a coherent picture or even like identify like very specific uh, person. It is very much true is that once you have like a lot of data sets and uh, once you start combining these data sets and like cross-referencing, you actually get like a very, very good idea about, um, um, yeah, anyone visiting your website really, like what their interests are, what do they like buying, what kind of advertisements do they like to click on, right? So... Um, we kind of more and more more move towards like completely, yeah, almost almost glass-like or like complete completely transparent user at this point. Well, and like like the things you just described remind me of, or they sound like um, uh, that service that's been in the news recently, uh, Clearview. Ah, okay. And you know, so their their whole thing is they're just going out there and scraping and gathering and collecting like every single piece of data <laughs> that is yeah. publicly accessible. Like if, if it's, if it's available, they are gathering it. And I wouldn't, uh, yeah. And, and they're just compiling all of that uh, along with, you know, images and being able to, you know, so this company, you know, it's like, it, you know, when you think of, you know, big brother and, 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 and those types of, of, of things, this company has like, a, a seemingly uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's just like endless <laughs> uh, access to your information, and, and I think I think a lot of people would be. Uh, it, it's it's simultaneously very uh, amazing and concerning the ability that that a company has to like take all of that information, run it through some machine learning algorithms, apply some artificial intelligence, and paint a picture of you. So the, the the amount of information that you know they could find on Tony Bradley uh, would be mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 as I mentioned before, it's quite quite frightening, and I mean, um, especially when you when you collect data. And and I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not like saying that like collecting data is bad or like it doesn't have like any benefits to the user. I mean, quite frankly, it has. Otherwise, people wouldn't. I mean. A lot of people actually like the fact that Amazon kind of knows what they are into and give them like great mm -hmm. recommendations, right? Or, or that Netflix knows what I, I've said for a long like. time that is, that is a trade-off. I mean, so like, yeah. if, if, yes, if 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 your privacy and, and if you if you just don't want anyone to know those things, that's your prerogative, and you can not sign up for those services and you can not take advantage of those of those features, but I actually, I mean, I like the fact that as soon as I type an email where I say, you know, like, let's say I, you know, type an email to my wife and say, hey, let's do that next Tuesday. You know, Office 365 is 
monitoring that. And like, as soon as I send the email, a thing pops up that says, Hey, I saw that you promised to do something by next Tuesday. I'm going to add a reminder. I'm like, cool, do that. Um, yeah. you know, I, I like that my iPhone, when I say that I have an appointment in downtown Houston, it knows where I am and it knows I have an appointment and it can proactively say, Hey, Tony, you should leave because traffic is getting bad and you're not going to get there on time. Those are, those are huge benefits and conveniences, but the exchange is, I have to let Apple know what my calendar is and I have to let Apple know where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean like the, the really, really big downside of like all of this is, is that, um, people always assume that at least at the moment, um, companies are benevolent or, or like that even the government is benevolent and that they have like the best interests and they, they won't abuse the data. But history has shown that um, re re uh, regimes change, governments mm -hmm. change, lo even laws change, right? And there's like pretty much no protection from that data that was being collected in the past now being used against you. I mean, the the most obvious example here is when you look at like Nazi Germany and yeah I'm German so I'm obvi obviously going going for like the Nazi Germany uh, comparison right but it you used to so, so, so Germany has like a central register of like all the citizens and in the past it was like mandatory that you also had to include like your religion um People did, didn't think much of that, right? Yeah, it was, that, it was just like uh, another field. But like once Hitler kind of took over, he pretty much had to register of every, every single Jew in Germany. Right. Um, and you can imagine what happened next, right? But, but Well, you don't have to imagine. You, you just have to open up like a history school book, right? Uh, or, or like a, any history book. Um, so data can actually be quite, quite, quite dangerous. Right. And... Um, to me, it's like more important that people know um, how dangerous data can be, and it's important to empower users to um, have control over the data. That they can go to Amazon and ask, "Hey, listen, what kind of data? What do you know about me anyway?" Right, and have like a way to um, use the service. Um, um, but also telling them, listen, I don't want you to collect my data because that's like quite important as well. Is I mean, yes, you can, yes, you can say, um, yeah, just don't use Amazon, right? But if you if you are living in like the middle of nowhere, and like pretty much all the all the normal stores close down because of right. um, huge huge um, online stores like Amazon. And, and yeah, a lot of stores close down because of Amazon, right? Uh, because people just order stuff and they get it to the home. So why should I go to the mall? Um, so, so, so there has to be a way to still use those services because they become more and more influential and like more and more important. And it becomes um, um, more, more and more difficult to live just without them. Um, so, so there needs to be a way to use these kinds of services without them um, right. just collecting all the data. And, and I mean, obviously, there are always kind of data that has to be stored, right? I mean, they do need to store invoices or, or your payment details because they do have uh, certain responsibilities when it comes to, to taxes and stuff like that, right? But um, Amazon 
if if I don't want Amazon, for example, to store like all my search history and like make recommendations, then there should be a way to actually disable it. Well, so uh, two two points on that. Number one, I was going to say, I feel like even even if you ask, you know, I mean, you could just never use Amazon, but if, but even if you ask Amazon, hey, can you you know not store that information or or you know like under under GDPR, if I go and say, hey, you know what. I, I would, you know, I am hereby officially officially requesting to be forgotten. I want you to wipe my data. I, as a, as a consumer, have zero confidence that my data is actually 100% yeah. wiped because there's a backup somewhere. Like, I mean, just look at like, you know, when uh, when when our when our dear leader uh, tweets. Um, <laughs> And, 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 you know, usually it's just, you know, no filter, but every once in a while they do actually delete one, you know, like he'll put, he'll, they'll tweet and they'll go, oh, wait, we don't want to tweet that. Let's delete that. And we're going to rewrite it and send it again. It's already captured. Like you can't delete a tweet. Like no matter how fast you try to delete that tweet, somebody has already seen it and screen capped it and it's out there. Like you, you can't undo it. Um, um, you know, so like, I think, I feel like every piece of data on the internet is, is, you can't unring that bell. Once the data is created, it exists somewhere. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, and I mean, those are kind of technical challenges um, that I think we may be able to overcome eventually. Um, at, at least in my opinion. I mean, yeah, people move more and more to the cloud and there's there's good reason for that, but um, at least I think that it's very possible to implement convenience features in a way that still allow me to have like control over my data and that right. still puts me in charge of my data. And by the way, uh, I always was under the impression that um, tweets issued by Donald Trump are considered like official statements and he isn't even allowed to delete them um, because they are like regulations the same way he isn't allowed to block people on Twitter well that uh, technically okay I'm not a I'm not a a lawyer uh, and I'm not yeah. a constitutional scholar but in my uh, probably better than average layman's uh, opinion um, I agree completely. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, and I think it's been it's been decided in court. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure that me that changes anything. Uh, I mean, I think we've demonstrated no, over no, and over again that there's a complete disregard for whatever the court or constitution says. So it's irrelevant. Um, but yes, you're right. I mean, it should be a matter of. I mean, it be once once the White House once the administration stated. Like, because the, there was a one point, like early in early in the in the administration, where someone asked a question of the of the White House and said, "Hey, we want to know what's going on with this," and their official response was, "Read the Twitter." Like we we already we already shared that, and so the, so they're the ones who went on record saying this is the official, you know, method of communication, and once they did that, that means that's a matter of public record like that yeah, <laughs> you can't exactly. if, if that's the official method of that the, 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 the white house is going to use to communicate you can't delete it and you can't block me from seeing it um you know i'm a, I'm a citizen um the other point i was going to make about uh data though is you know so i do generally tell people 
you know, pick your poison. Like I, like I said, I think that there are advantages to sharing information, uh, uh, you know, and, and I do so with Apple and Microsoft. Um, I have made, you know, I have made my own, uh, you know, decision or whatever to, to trust Apple and Microsoft to that extent. Um, I don't really trust Google and I try to avoid using Google's stuff. Um, and but but that's just my opinion. That's just my my own preference. And I just tell people like you know, pick one and 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 use it. But understand understand what you're agreeing to. The one that bothers me the most, it, it, like in all the data breaches that have happened, whether it's Target or Sony or whatever. I mean, there's always a, a you know some sort of thing I can you you can point to and be like, well, you know what, Target should have done this or Sony should have done that. But in the end, at least if Target or Sony had my information. It's because I chose to do business with them and I chose to in some way share that information and give them that authorization. The one that really pisses me off is Equifax. Yeah. Because I don't I never gave Equifax permission to have my data. <laughs> like you're, you're you know at least I, I don't I'm not even sure how it works in the rest of the world but at least here in the United States it's like Equifax uh, Experian and TransUnion, I think it is. Um, you know the three the three major credit bureaus just track all of your stuff. <laughs> you know, like they yeah. have your address, they have your employer, they have your social security number, they have your credit card. You know, you know they have all this information, and it's like, okay, but I never actually entered into any sort of a business arrangement with Equifax. I never agreed for them to have any of my data. Yeah. So why why is that even a thing? So um, like the German equivalent to that is called Schufa, um, and at least in Germany, and and we are we are back to like this Eula and TOS thing. Like there's like a little little sentence at the very end that like um, when you open a bank account with us, then we are going to share the information that you open a bank account with us, for example, with Schufa and. Um, now, now we are back at like um, the topic before, and I like Eulas and then TOS and stuff yeah. are like really, really difficult to read and like very convoluted and uh, in a way very much designed uh, to discourage anyone from reading them. Well, and you actually raise a very good point. While I'm sitting here ranting about, I never agreed to anything. Oh, <laughs> I did. You know, when when I when I when I get a credit card. It does come with a you know twenty five page document <laughs> of here's all the terms of service and agreement that you're you know for, so for all I know it, it it is actually a function of that agreement of of accepting yeah. a credit card and using it that says oh and by the way you know you've now given all your information to Equifax. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if, if that. that 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 was the case. In That's fact, I would say it almost is. has to exist because yeah. my my relationship at that point is between me and Chase Bank or between me and Bank of America or whatever. And if Bank of America or Chase is sharing my information, that has to be spelled out somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in the US, right, where they are very, very trigger ha happy when it comes to class class action lawsuits and like dragging companies in front of 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 like a judge or, or into a courtroom right. uh, because of like right. the the absolutely insane 
kind of uh, punitive damages and, and, and like compensation. Right, well, I'll, step, I'll step back off of my rant a little and assume that I yeah, probably sure. did agree to it. However, I will still stipulate that that's one of those things that you can't really not agree to. No, you can't. It's like you, it's it. It's not a choice. <laughs> like you, know, you, you, you could say, okay, I'm only going to use cash and never use a credit card, but that's impractical. Exactly. That's that's um, again. There has to be a way to still be able to just live and like and like function in society. Um, I mean, in 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 Germany, it's not as bad, but yeah, I. Uh, I do live in the UK now, right? And there are stores here that don't accept cash. They only accept debit cards, um, especially when it comes to, to like bars and pubs. Yeah. Um, they, they don't want cash simply to reduce their own risks when it comes to, to things like robbery, for example, right? Um, so they only accept like um, debit cards and, and credit cards. And if there's like no way for me to get like a credit card or a debit card, uh, then yeah, at the moment I can go to another car, uh, 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 to another pub or to, to, to another store that still accepts cash. But um, I mean, this would go down further and further. And if there's like no way for me to get like a debit or a credit card without like selling my data to like a shady company who stores like all my data completely unprotected in uh, an open uh, directory, or uh, I, I think Equifax stored stored like their database backups. <laughs> In like an open directory on, on on their website, and that's kind of how they got hacked and how they right. lost all their data. Then that's like completely mind-boggling and insane to me. Well, and you know, so to kind of go back to my thing about how you know, once the data is out there, you can't unring that bell. Um, I feel like you know there are so many data breaches. You know, I mean, it's a pretty much a daily, if not we at least weekly occurrence. Um, and and obviously they're, they they don't all affect me. Um, but I feel like when it comes to key information, the, the unchangeable information, like I can change an account number and, and things like that, but my name, my birth date, my, you know, my home address doesn't change that often. My social security number, driver's license number, all that information. I'm like, it's already out there. Like if, 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 if tomorrow they announce another data breach, I'm not really going to be concerned because I'm already up like 105 percent sure that all of that information already exists on the dark yeah. web. I'm like, you're not, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not breaching anything new. Which is kind of sad, right? Uh, I mean, that that we kind of reached that point. And I mean, um, let's be honest, it's not like even. I mean, yes, you can change like your your debit card and your credit card, but honestly, given the frequency of breaches, I mean, it. it it just becomes like um, well, well, from well, certainly inconvenient, but also simply impractical to right. just switch on your debit card once a week, right? Um, which is like really bizarre. Um, the bigger threats that I see when it comes to such huge data leaks is that these data leaks can actually be used as some sort of glue. Um, as I mentioned before, like data becomes even more dangerous once you start to kind of merge multiple data sets together, right? Um, so, for example, if you have, like, one data set that includes your email address and then you have, like, another data set um, with, like, completely unrelated data and that, that includes your name and then suddenly you merge them together and now suddenly you have, like, even more information about you. Right. So... Um, Honestly, I'm quite surprised that there haven't been like 
well, maybe they are, and I'm just not aware of it, but I'm quite surprised that there aren't like any companies who really specialized in like providing companies who have like data sets to kind of help them join them together with data sets of other uh, companies to kind of create even bigger data sets that are even more comprehensive. Right. I don't think there, there are like any companies out there that do that yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they would like kind of pop up. And I mean, um, obviously like really huge um, providers or, or like really huge companies like Google, for example, they certainly already do that because they have like this huge portfolio and it's like actually quite difficult to even escape Google online, right? Right. Um, because you have like Google Analytics everywhere and, and, and they provide like the, the arguably best search engine out there. And they they control so many entertainment platforms like like YouTube. I mean Google Google owns the two biggest search engines on the internet, right. which is Google and YouTube. So uh, just those two data sets combined with like user accounts and tracking, it's just completely insane. Um, the amount of information that you can ga gather this way and like figuring out what someone is into. Yeah, agreed. Listen, um, I, you know, I, I told you when we started, I'm going to have to yeah, cut this short, but uh, this, it, 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 it's been a great conversation and I feel like we could keep going. Um, uh, I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time um, and uh, I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pencil you in and get you rescheduled. You can come back on. We'll talk about some more stuff because uh, yeah, sure, sure. it, it was it was a great conversation. But uh, um, as as we wrap um, just real quick, let the audience know, you know, you know, whatever you want, like, where can they find you? Where can they find MCSoft? You know, what, what kind of, uh, you know, how do, how do they track you down? Oh, um, yeah, you can just visit our, our website, www.mcsoft.com. Um, I also have like a Twitter. I don't tweet a lot of times. And when I do tweet, then it's usually related to, to ransomware, like security stuff. Uh, which is FVOSA. And yeah, if you ever run into, well, if you ever end up having your system encrypted by ransomware, then just hit us up either on Twitter or like on our website. And we will try to help you for free. All right. Well, again, thank you very much. And uh, no problem. Have a good one. You too. Bye. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts.